Welcome back to the Fun Astrology Podcast, or welcome in if this is your first time. We're kind of in the holiday mode here, and I'm taking actually the day off, so I'm going to let another guy speak. Well, I'm kind of his voice. (laughs) It's world-renowned astrologer Steve Forrest, and this is his newest book coming out, The Endless Sky, which is currently being recorded to audiobook. And I thought I would play you chapter nine about the ascendant. And here's the deal. When Steve speaks, you're going to learn something. And that's whether he speaks through his own podcast, which he has, or his writings, or his monthly articles, or his books, or now audiobooks. And I get to be his voice. I mean, can you imagine the honor of that? So whenever Steve speaks, you're going to learn something. So let's listen to Chapter 9 about the Ascendant. I just thought this was some valuable information. It's a fairly short chapter, and I hope you enjoy it. Have a great holiday. I'll see you back on Monday. Chapter 9 The planetary ruler of the sign that was rising when you were born is often called the ruler of the chart. But what exactly does that mean? That planet certainly doesn't tell the rest of the chart what to do. It doesn't rule the chart in any domineering sense. It is often not even the best candidate for being the most important planet in the chart. So why does it carry such an impressive title? How does the ruler of the Ascendant actually work? Why is it so special and how is it different from the rest of the planets? The Ruler of the Chart From the newsletter, October 2014. The mighty sun just started to blaze over the Anza Borrego Desert, where I live. I'm writing these words in haste here just after dawn. Speed is of the essence, since I need to pack my bags and head for the Palm Springs Airport in four hours. From there, I have to make my way up to San Francisco and points north to teach one of my apprenticeship programs. Michelle and I just arrived here at our home in the desert a week ago, so it hurts to leave again so soon. Lately, we live part of the time at her place in New Orleans. We just completed the three-day cross-country drive to get from there to here. When I close my eyes, I'm still hallucinating the white lines of the highway stretching out before me. When I get back from this teaching trip up to the Bay Area... I'll only have about 10 days at home again before I need to leave to teach a pair of seminars in Beijing and Shanghai. When I get back from Asia, I will once more only have about 10 days at home before I need to leave yet again to teach the Southern California edition of my apprenticeship program. That one is easier. It's just a 90-minute drive and a five-day trip. Does this strike you as an insane way to live? As I read over these words, that assessment sounds pretty accurate, but I'm used to it. I've been living this way for the last three decades. Anyone who looked at my life from the outside would see these same behavioral patterns consistently and prominently, traveling, teaching, and writing, and of course, doing astrological readings, talking, teaching, Writing and talking. What astrological house are we spotlighting? Most astrologers would say, correctly, the third house. 
Some would astutely add the ninth house for its link to education and publishing. Traveling. What house carries that symbolism? Most astrologers would say the ninth. And some, if they had much practical experience, would mention the third house in connection with travel, too. Let me clarify that last point. In some of the older books, the third house was related to short journeys, while the ninth referred to long journeys. In my experience, it's not the length of the journey that counts, but rather how exotic or familiar it is. The first time I went to China, it felt like a ninth house experience. This month, I'll make my fourth trip. I will see familiar faces and places. I'll hug old friends and catch up with their lives. The trip feels a bit more like commuting. That's the third house travel signature. It doesn't have the questing feeling of the ninth house. Here's the linchpin of what I'm getting at. Anyone looking at me from the outside would see a vivid third ninth house fingerprint on my daily life. No surprise. Both of those houses are activated in my natal chart. I have Pluto in the ninth house and a Mars-Mercury conjunction on the cusp of the third. And here, for our purposes, is the critical link and the actual point of this essay. I have a Scorpio ascendant, so two of those planets, Pluto and Mars, are the rulers of my chart. And that is what I'd like to explore here. Go to an astrology conference and ask which planet rules Scorpio, and you may just start a fistfight. <laughs> Classically, the answer is Mars. Modern astrologers favor Pluto. People argue vehemently on both sides of the question. To me, the argument is silly. Both rulerships are valid. Mars and Pluto each have an affinity with Scorpio, and that is what rulership is about. As we saw in the first few words of this essay, astrologers have always recognized that the planet which rules the ascendant plays a dramatically underscored role in a person's life. That's why it came to be called the ruler of the chart. But why exactly? To answer that, we need to recall some deeper thoughts about the nature of the ascendant itself. That's a big subject. But one elemental observation is that the ascendant represents a person's style of social and behavioral manifestation. As we saw in the previous chapter, you meet people at a party. They say, how are you? You say, fine, thanks. How's about you? And they say, fine, thanks. And you instantly like them or dislike them. Something of their core nature shines through that superficial social behavior. As strange as it sounds, we can and do actually learn a lot about people by how they say, fine, thanks. An energetic signature comes through every human gesture, in other words. I always think of the ascendant as the stained glass through which the light of the psyche is shining. It translates the deeper layers of the psyche into the world of social behavior. The ascendant represents how you act in the world. 
right there we hold the key to understanding why the planet that rules the ascendant is so important. Like the ascendant itself, the ruler of the ascendant is behaviorally activated. We see the signature of that planet very clearly in the existential and social behavior of a person. The birth chart holds many clues about profoundly intimate, even hidden elements of a person's experience and character. While the ruler of the ascendant carries such deeper meanings as well, it always carries that simple quality of the ascendant itself visible behavior. So off I go to yet another airport to teach yet another class to talk my head off about things I've written about. That's what my life looks like. Is that what I am? Yes, sure, and I'm grateful for it. But I am not that simple, and neither are you. There is a planet that rules your ascendant, too. It's in a sign and a house, and it makes aspects. Take a second look at that planet from the point of view that we have explored here. Do that, and you will, to paraphrase the words of the great Scots poet Robert Burns, see yourself as others see you. Because what they see is what you do, not who you are. And yet those, what you do and what you are, are not unrelated, just not exactly the same. Sit with that paradox, and you've gone a long, long way toward unraveling the mysteries of the planet that rules your chart.